0: You're listening to Antioch Center for the Nations. For more information, please visit www.antiochchurch.sg I have a message uh, I want to share with you tonight. The title of this message is Teach Us to Pray. Uh, this morning in the daily reading, very early, I was up uh, a little bit before four in the morning and I was uh, just seeking the Lord. My custom is wake up around four on Sunday morning I like to get up early and If I have message ideas, I can uh, use those, but often he gives me something fresh and different. And this morning as I woke up and I was talking to him, he began to speak to me more about prayer and I began to imagine that I was sitting in a room with Jesus, talking to Jesus and asking him questions. If we could sit down with Jesus in a kind of a talk show, like an interview see these television shows, the Graham Norton show, Jimmy Fallon, you know, The Tonight Show, that, where they have a guest come on and the guest sits down and they talk to them about whatever new project they're doing, whatever their latest movie was that they made, whatever successful company they have, and they interview them because there are points of interest that we can all learn from those people. And of course, the people on those uh, television shows or on those interviewing programs They are fascinating people, and I can't think of anyone more fascinating than Jesus. I would love to see Jesus just step onto the stage of one of those shows, you know, Jimmy Fallon asking questions, Jimmy Kimmel asking questions. I doubt that he would be welcome there, honestly, at the end of the day, but if he was, it would be interesting. So you figure, you know, if you had Elon Musk on your talk show, you're going to ask him about SpaceX, about going to Mars about Tesla Motor Corporation and electric cars, what is the future of electric cars? If uh, you had uh, George Lucas on, you're gonna ask him about what it was like to write the saga of Star Wars and all of this. If you had um, Steven Spielberg on there right now, you'd be asking him a lot of questions about the production of his newest movie, Ready Player One. These are the questions, but what does Jesus do and I started thinking, if I interviewed Jesus, of course, I could interview him about his work on the cross. But really, what you see him prevalently living and exhibiting in life was prayer. He was a man of prayer. He was constantly praying, constantly in communication with the Father, and constantly showing us an image of prayer as well as teaching us words of prayer. We see John 17, verse 1. After Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven, And prayed, Father, the hour has come, glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. You granted him authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to all those who have given him, or you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. Now, this example of prayer is really the most complete prayer we have written that Jesus prays in the hearing of his disciples. And John, who was very close to him, was close enough to write down the entire prayer. This prayer does not appear in context of the actual prayer writing. It does not appear in any other gospel, only in John's gospel, because John was close to hear it. And it just gives us a beautiful image. And we always see Jesus praying. He's always showing us that we need to pray, but also teaching us principles. And he taught us many things about prayer. And in this interview that we're making, and that's the kind of image I have. Let's just imagine Jesus is sitting down with us, and we're going to ask him questions about prayer. So our basic interrogative words that we use are things like, you know, what, when, where, how, and these are the questions we're going to ask Jesus. In fact, these are five questions about prayer, and Jesus is going to answer these questions. We're going to use some other scriptures as well to answer this. The first question that we ask the Lord is... Uh, what do we pray and he says in Matthew chapter 6 verse 9 one of the most famous passages about prayer this then is how you should pray our Father in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us today our daily bread forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not to temptation but deliver us from the evil one so to answer the question What do we pray? I want you to think about some interesting things. If I ask Jesus, what do we pray? Jesus would begin to describe to me prayer. He would give me words. That's the first answer to the question. We pray words, but it's more than just words because he does not accept just a repetition of words, as we'll see later. But really what he wants is a conversation. So what do we pray? We pray a conversation with God. He does not want to simply have us come and we recite words and speak to him on, 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 just from our perspective, but he wants a dialogue and he wants to have a conversation with us. So really to define prayer and what it is, of course we know the very word prayer means a cry for help or asking because of need in your life, you're asking God for help. But then how do we do that? Well, we ask conversationally, and really this image of prayer that he gives us, and so we're going to revisit this passage as it is in Matthew, also in Luke, where he gives us the model prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And we, don't, we know that we're not going to pray exactly what he wrote here, because later he says that he does not want us to pray in repetition. So that would mean if he would not contradict himself, give us this prayer. And then right after this, say, do not pray like the nations do where they think that by repeating this thing, they will get. No, he is giving us an example of a conversation that he had with the father. Because also we see John chapter 17, where he had a conversation with the father and he talked to the father. Now, he hears God's voice. We know that often he was going away to pray and talk. But really, the bottom line is, what do we pray? We pray a conversation. When you get up in the morning and you want to talk to God, you just need to sit down and have a talk with him, just like you would with any other person. If I wanted to talk to Caleb, I wouldn't sit Caleb over in a corner and say, no, Caleb, don't say a word. I'm going to just tell you for the next hour, Anything I want to tell you, okay? Just just sit there and listen. And then I tell him for an hour. I just go ranting on and on and on and on about my life and my problems. You know, the more I tell Caleb, you can see he'll get weighed down and gets heavier and heavier. Uh, and he may have some brilliant ideas about things that could possibly be a solution for my life, but I'm not interested because this is my time of prayer. I am going to speak. And you see, that's kind of a backwards idea of what prayer is supposed to be. If it's a call for help, it means that help has to be given. Given in advice, given in direction, through a conversation. Now if I talk to Caleb and I let him interject, or maybe even take the time to ask him, what do you think? Here's the situation in my life, but what do you think about that? Well, that's a conversation, there's a dialogue going on. That's exactly what God wants us to have with Him. So what do we pray? Well, we pray a conversation with Him. We talk to Him, but we also listen for Him to talk back to us. Now, categorically, if you want details of what is a prayer, ideally, I believe that this prayer is an outline for us to look at of categories, structure, where we start off here in worship and then we're going into other areas. We're asking for things, of course, but it is a conversation with him. He does not want us to write this down on a card and repeat it again and again and again, because he wouldn't have said after this that we shouldn't do that. So what do we pray? We pray words. We speak to him. I think it's important that those words be in a way that are accurate to a conversation, that they be real, and that I communicate from the depths of my heart. And we're going to revisit that later, but I just wanted to clear up the first answer. Jesus, what do we pray? And this is exactly what, this is elicited by a question that the disciples asked Jesus. Because, and this is interesting also, Jesus had not yet taught them to pray. He had only shown them prayer. In other words, they saw Him pray and realized, well, He's praying, but they had also previously been disciples of John the Baptist. And John the Baptist did teach prayer. And they learned the system from him. So they said, you know, John the Baptist teaches his disciples to pray. Lord, why don't you teach us to pray? In fact, it says in one passage that they were near Jesus, they listened to him pray, he was alone praying, and he was with his disciples, and after they heard him pray, maybe even a simpler prayer to the one we heard in John 17, They decided that they wanted to learn his method of prayer. Well, we know he was extremely close to the Father and that the Trinity, of course, being in unity, but his recognition of that place, he was seamlessly connected to the Father and the Father's will. There's no way he could have done that without having been in a dialogue consistently living each day, finding out day by day incrementally what is it that the Father wants him to do. He knew some main points about his future of course death on the cross he knew that he had to die but I don't think Jesus had an agenda on a a piece of paper that he carried around in his pocket and followed it minute by minute like a day timer he, I think it was literally working itself out as he moved along just like the Bible tells us that we walk incrementally day by day as God opens the door and there's no way that we can do that there's no way that we can get the information needed to walk in the steps that God the Father expects of us if we are not constantly talking to Him. So we have to be in a conversation. And the disciples noticed that Jesus was always having conversations with the Father. So they said, hey, can you teach us? I mean, they had already learned from John the Baptist, but apparently Jesus' method of prayer was so different from John the Baptist that they had to learn all over again. And I thought that was very interesting. So I started thinking of it this way. It's like that for us. The way that I I can have a conversation with everybody in this room. But the way I converse with you will be very different from one person to the next. And when I speak to you in a conversation, what do we pray? We pray conversations. When I speak to you in a conversation, I will speak in a way that relates to you. In a way that I want to connect to you. But when I speak to Joe, it's going to be a little different. I know some other interests of Joe, I'm gonna speak more toward that end. So my conversation will change. I do not have the same conversations with my daughter of 12 years of age that I have with my wife of 50 years of age. I do not speak the same conversations, it's not practical. I do not have the same conversation I have with my wife with the uncle at the Kopitya. I don't walk in there and just start talking to him exactly how I talk. In fact, it, it changes from time to time. So each personality is what's so important. The personality of the individual is what causes you to communicate in a certain way. I was the other day speaking to someone and a friend of mine here, Singaporean, knew me, spoken to me a lot, and then saw me speak to someone else of also European descent. They noticed that the form, the method, and the velocity of my conversation dramatically changed. And I was like, Wow, you know, how can he speak so quickly about this, that the way the, you know, the, the witty repertoire, the quid pro quo and the, the quick little quibs and things that, you know, often, and all of it built upon the foundation of sarcasm because that's, that's our nature as Europeans. Uh, I'm not European, you know, I'm American, but America is a conglomerate of many European nations and others, primarily, I, I take from that stream which is like the UK, I love British humor because it's all sarcasm from beginning to end. Well, that doesn't always work. I've tried sarcasm with the, the uh, driver in the taxi, in the comfort taxi, and, and totally missed, like they did not get that I meant it, and they were curious why I felt that way. No, no, I was just kidding. Oh, and they were confused. Right, so I have to adjust the way I communicate with every individual. The way you talk to me is going to be very different than the way you talk to someone else. It changes. Now let's say that's that also is defining, well, what do we pray? We pray conversations, but we pray according to what is real to us. And you know, God does not want to hear you going on and on just about all your problems. He wants to hear about your problems, but He wants to hear more than that. And that's where we seek different levels. We communicate with him, we talk to him, we thank him for the things he's done, but we do it in a conversation. And that's why I've always taught disciples through the years, look, don't get pretentious, don't get structured, but speak in a conversation. And John had a different way of praying than Jesus. So it stands to reason that you are going to have a different way of praying than how I pray. And that's good. So even then, I can't teach you an identical pattern. That's why Jesus is really kind of um, not specific when they ask it, He's very general about it because he wanted to leave them the, the artistic license to develop their conversational skills with God in a way that was personal and real to them. So that's what we pray. Then we go to the next one. The question is when do we pray? Well, Mark 1.35 says very early in the morning while it was still dark some of you are afraid, I don't like getting up early in the morning. Relax, it's not the only time, I'm just reading what it says. Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. And then you might think, well, if Jesus went off very early in the morning, that means that prayer is needed very early in the morning. There's a lot of people that will stake their salvation on this as a fact. That there's no other time to pray, but very early in the morning. Actually, I know some very spiritual people they the most praying they do is the sound of slurping the coffee in the morning. They don't pray until nighttime. Um, I know uh, Elaine in Philippines, she's not a big morning prayer prayer. I remember talking to her about it. She wakes up, you know, wakes up late and then just has her coffee and then later, but she gets very if you've been around her in the evenings. That woman will pray until you can't breathe. I mean, she'll just keep praying. That's her form, and God appreciates that from her as an individual. And it's, a, it's not always going to be, it's really, when do we pray? The best way I can think of answering this question and what I believe the Lord tells us is when, when it is conducive to prayer. When do you pray? Why is Jesus waking up very early in the morning? Well, first of all, he had 12 guys living with him everywhere they went. He had another 70 people Near him, Then he had about a thousand or more people constantly fluttering around him. He had absolutely no privacy. His ministry got so busy at times they didn't have time to eat. His family thought he was going crazy. They came to take him by force, it says, and put him in an insane asylum if possible because they thought he was out of his mind because he was so busy. So the only way he could have a private conversation with the Father, was to wake up while everyone was still snoring. And I always picture him tiptoeing over the bodies of the other twelve to get out of there because later you're going to see one passage that that when this continues, we'll read it later, where it says, where were you? Everybody was looking for you. Because Jesus, exactly, that was the whole point. He wanted to get away. When do we pray? We pray when we can be concentrating and focused on our conversation with God. And that's not easy if you're in a public place. I'm not saying you can't do it. I actually can pray in the middle of an MRT um, car. I can pray anywhere. But it is better, ultimately, when I have a time where I'm separated. And often in the morning, like I just said earlier, that's what I do on Sunday mornings. When I get ready for church, I'm up very early where I can just sit with him and talk and listen to what he wants me to share, what he wants me to speak about in a solitary place where no one else is. You say, well, where is where is that? When do you pray? Well, I pray um, when it's convenient. First Thessalonians, Paul says to those in Thessalonica, rejoice, always pray without ceasing. So that would certainly change the time frame of prayer. That means you're always praying. And that's literally what he meant. Always be praying. I'm praying right now. As I'm preaching this message, I'm praying inside that it makes sense to you and you can learn something. I'm praying that I'll be able to do a good job in teaching these principles as the Lord has shown me. So we pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. For you. So It's God's will that we are in a conversation all the time. Now, if we have an archaic idea of prayer or a religious form of prayer, pray without ceasing seems really cumbersome, really difficult. How can we do that? Why? Because we picture hands clasped together, maybe on our knees, you know, you're wobbling around on your knees everywhere you go because I have to, what are you doing? Well, I'm praying without ceasing. I can't stop praying or maybe if it's a religious form, because there's all different forms and we're going to talk about that later concerning religiosity and prayer, but when do we pray? Well, we pray when it's convenient is my answer. We pray when, it, when we can make it mean something, when we can connect. Think of it this way. If I have something important to talk to you about, I don't just in a standing moment talk in a big crowd of people. No, it'd be better that you and I go somewhere and speak over a cup of coffee where we can look in each other's eyes and actually talk. And the more serious I want, the more clearly I want to communicate with you, the uh, less people will be involved in that conversation. Is not that not true? If it's very serious then you know when somebody really wants to have a conversation with you, what do they say? Look, uh, I need to talk to you. Which nobody likes to hear. Yeah. That is one of the scariest things anybody will ever tell you. Look, uh, I need to talk to you. Immediately when somebody tells me that, my heart starts beating. Uh, and because my first thought is, what did I do wrong? Like, uh-oh. Sometimes it's not. that They just really want to get something off their, off their heart or they want to express something. or Sometimes it's because they, they want to bless you But I I never, I I always, my mind always runs to that I'm in trouble. I offended them somehow. I did something terrible. Because in my early years as a Christian, I offended almost everybody all the time. And I was always (laughs) stepping on toes. And I just didn't know how to control my mouth. It was so bad that I I had constant arguments, constant problems with everybody. And I just, finally, my, my remedy to that stage of my Christian life was just shut my mouth. Stop talking. And I did for like a year. I had like a year of silence where I did not say anything to anybody. I just served. I just worked in the church. And I learned I could not trust my own mouth. Lock it up because I read. In fact, a preacher came by the name of Rod Aguilar. Came to our church and he preached on the power of the tongue. Used all those scriptures. One of the most impacting messages of my life. And it caused me to shut my mouth. Let my words be few. And keep my mouth shut if I can control because he taught if I can control my tongue I can control anything. And I learned how to keep my mouth shut and for like a year I did that. And at the end of that year my pastor's wife came to me and said you know you're going to have to talk eventually. Now it's not that I wasn't talking at all. If I was asked something I would answer but I was not looking for conversations with anyone because I couldn't do it right. But when it's good when you can communicate clearly you do so. That's when you pray. The next one is, uh, where? Where do we pray? Well, um, we pray alone. Where? In a place that you can be alone. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen, then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Of course, there's two dimensions in where. We pray alone sometimes, but as you know, we also pray in a group. But first, in talking about praying alone, we already know Why? Because looking at prayer as a conversation and that what we do when it is a time that is convenient, well, where do we do that? Well, I don't know where you pray in the physical location, but here there is a reference about closing the door to a room, which in my house ideally is the toilet because the bathroom... Um, My family, we do a lot of things together. We eat together, we watch TV together. You know, we go out together, we go see movies together, we have fun together, we play games together, but we do not use the toilet together. I don't say, hey guys, come on, daddy has to pee, let's go. Everybody come in the bathroom. No, it's a very private place. I'm not gonna have people come in there. So as a result, I'm, I'm by myself, in the bathroom, alone. And really, that's the door I most frequently think of as the door I'm closing. And then what I have to pray, I don't want anyone else to hear half the time anyway, because it's very personal, intimate things. But I need to get it off my chest sometimes, and I like to tell God. So I take another step, then I go into the shower, and I turn the shower on. The noise of the shower drowns my voice out. Is very serious. I'll start crying. I'll break down. I have spent many, many hours on shower floors under the water, crying like a baby. I don't want somebody to see that. Matthews would think much less of me. You know, he would think, "What kind of man is that? He's a wimp. He's always whining in his bathroom on the shower floor." Well, that's none of his business. You know, I'm not supposed to show someone that. So it is very intimate. And where do I pray? I pray alone. It, it really depends on what I'm praying, to. If I'm praying the personal, intimate things of my life, I'm not going to have that conversation with just anybody. I'm going to have that conversation with someone who I can absolutely trust, which would pretty much be no human. Pretty much only God can I absolutely trust. I can trust people to a great degree, but really God is the only one I can trust 100 and this is the thing, there's nothing I can tell God that's going to shock him. God will never say, oh, no, You know, He always knows exactly who I am, what I am. He knows me better than I know myself. And most of the time when I finally speak about something that makes me emotional with him, I maybe break down. And it, it's like his, the feeling I get from him is like, it's about time I've been waiting for you to talk to me about this. Like he always is waiting To heal, to help, to deliver, to lead me, to make changes. His kindness leads me to that kind of transformation. So, we pray alone is another scripture that says in um, the next one. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went out to a solitary place where he prayed. We read that earlier, but it says Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. And like I said, that's the point. He wanted to be alone. So Jesus exemplified and taught prayer alone. But there is another dimension of prayer, of course, there's another passage we see in Matthew 14, 23, after he had sent the crowds away. I mean, you know, sometimes you just need to send the crowds away, send the people away. Uh, He went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when it was evening, he was there alone. Now this is interesting. I like the idea of the mountain because often... I've been on mountains around the world in different countries. And when I'm on a high place, in, like in India or in Mexico, this past trip, we, I went up you know, above 6,000 like 6, meters high. That's pretty high. That's where you can't breathe well. And you're gasping for air. And there were, sometimes I was there in a higher altitude. And some of the views are amazing. And honestly, when I see those views from the mountain, I always think of God. I don't know if you do that, but I always think God is so big that He made all this. And it's interesting this concept of the mountain. Now, we have to be careful. We can create a physical place that we pray, and most people do when they pray alone, they have a special place. Some people have a little prayer corner in their house, some people will have a little desk that they like to sit at. That's all good. That your, Jesus had that, by the way. Jesus had a certain place, it says in the Greek, a certain place, which was a designated place that he would often go to pray. Now, I'm sure that was not his only place because his disciples knew about that one. So he had to have other places where the disciples did not know. And, he, and that's why I always think, I think he was having transfigurations pretty regularly, like the Mount of Transfiguration. But that was only one time that he took those three guys to see it. Because he wanted to show them again, look, if you really pray right, this can happen. Boom! And he's glowing like light. Supernatural experience. And he did that to show them that his communication with the Father was valid, real, so much so they could hear the Father's voice, which also proves to us that he was having a conversation with the Father. There's more than a few times that people heard the voice of the Father in conjunction with Jesus. Jesus did not need it because he knew it was a spiritual context. That's why he said, Father, thank you. Uh, I didn't really need to hear it, but they heard it, and that's good for them because he had that spiritual... Just like most of us, not, not all of us have heard an audible voice, but we have heard the voice of God. We've heard by impressions, by feelings, ideas, and you know it when you hear it because it's alive and you get excited about it. But I was thinking about the mountain... He went up on the mountain by himself to pray. The other day I was talking to a sister that came to visit and uh, it was very interesting. She started talking about a mountain concerning prayer and that is Prayer Mountain in Korea. Paul Young Cho's ministry. If you don't know Paul Young he Cho, he's a, a great writer and he taught a lot about prayer. One of the biggest churches, you know, his his ethic of life is pray and obey. Just pray and obey. And I've read his stuff, very interesting. But he in their ministry that they have a prayer mountain. this sister that came, it was, uh, I think, Eric, you brought her, the sister from the church, yeah. She was telling us a testimony about the fact that she went to the prayer mountain. And I love the story because she said she was so excited to go. Uh, she got her ticket, and she planned the trip, and she flew there, very excited to go. To, you know, that was all, like, a vision she had, desire she had, was to go to prayer mountain. She wants to go. I mean, I, I think it'd be cool to go see it. If you, how many of you have been to Prayer Mountain? I think a couple of you, yeah. So I, I would be great. I wouldn't mind seeing it. But this story I love because she went, and the day that she was going to have transportation take her from her place she was staying to Prayer Mountain, she was getting ready that morning, getting ready to go up to Prayer Mountain, and she said all of a sudden the power of God filled her room where she was. Like, I guess, hotel room, right? She's at the hotel. Power of God filled the hotel room. And it's still one of the most amazing experiences. The, the glory and the power. She was reminiscing about it because she, when she came to the service here during the week, the Holy Spirit was very present. And she, oh, I know God's presence. And she said, and there in that room, God basically asked her, where was she going? And, and he, she was like, well, the, the mountain prayer and he said basically here's the mountain right here. Like he went to teach her and that was the revelation she took from it was we don't need to go to a mountain. The mountain comes to us. And So the mountain of prayer (laughs) our mountain of prayer it's not limited to geographic location. It's wherever we are. I'm on the mountain right now. Just saying it. I find myself precariously perched on the top peak of a mountain with my father and I know that everything looks great from up here and I can rest in that place. And I love that story she told me. I like when people are uh, it's like another friend of mine that went to Jerusalem, went to the Holy Land and, and basically came back and I said, how was the trip?" Eh, they wasn't too impressed. Uh, there was one moment. The one moment that was most memorable to her is when she was at Jacob's well or what is supposed to be Jacob's well. They're not sure that it is, but, you know, anyway, they just put a sign on it and say it is and charge money to get you there. So she was at Jacob's Well, and they gave water out for them to drink. You can have a drink from Jacob's Well. So everybody had a cup of water, and the guy's giving his speech about it, and she was about to drink it, and she got this impulse to pour it over her head. Strange thing, right? It makes sense if you're spiritual. Okay, I get that. And she did. She poured it over her head. Of course, all the people around her are like, what in the world are you doing? Uh, she said partly because she didn't want to drink it because she didn't know what was in that well. Yeah. But she poured it over her head. And she had an, an encounter with God and she was like washed in the water of Jacob's well, just the remembrance of it and all. But her, really her, all the rest, I talked to other people that went to Jerusalem and had great experience and said it's amazing, it's wonderful, but mostly it's a physical place. I, I don't need to go there. I would like to go, and we can go, but I don't I don't have this long. I don't feel like it's uh, it's my pilgrimage that I have to make, or I might not make it to heaven if I don't go to the Holy Land and see the, the, the Jerusalem and all those things. That's not that important because I know that um, those people were looking f- uh, for a city that were made with hands, but we don't. We're looking for a city that's not made with hands. We're looking for New Jerusalem. That's my focus. And New Jerusalem is something spiritual that we experience until we are actually going to be there physically. So we're looking at this, how we pray. We pray alone. uh, We send the people away. We go up on the mountain. But it's really more about a place where we can connect with God. Now, we also pray together in a group. It says, our Father in heaven, not my Father. The prayer specifically says, our Father. When you pray, pray like this. Our Father Meaning that you're in a group of people praying together. Because that's really... Some people do not pray much alone. They pray better in a group. That's fine too. I I kind of do a little bit of both. I like praying... Really, worship is my prayer in group. um, Because prayer comes out of it. But even at home, honestly, often my best prayers are connected to either my guitar or keyboard. I'm playing musically. But when I'm in a group, it's almost always musical. It says, I like when it talks about prayer in Acts 12, five, so Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. And the night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared, and the light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrists. And this is interesting that the power of corporate prayer when we pray together can actually cause God to respond and do wonderful things God often speaks about prayers that have risen up to him which means he's keeping records of the quantity of people making prayers and the more prayers rise the more effect it has on him so it is good that we involve people I don't always uh, start them, but when somebody has a prayer chain, maybe in something, which first of all, let me tell you a little bit about um, social media etiquette. Don't threaten me, okay, with your prayer chain. Don't write me and say, if you love Jesus, you yeah. will <laughs> reply or forward this. That's extortion. I won't submit to that. Now, I don't yeah. like that. I hate when people do that. to I will purposely delete that thing. So if you want me to pray, I'm happy. Just say, please pray. Because as soon as I read it, I pray. If somebody ever sends me something and says, pray, and I'll let you know, I'm going to be real honest with you. If you send me something, Pastor, would you please pray about this situation? At that very moment, I'm doing it. When I read it, that's it. I'm not printing it out, you know, in gilded letters on (laughs) parchment and bringing it into a special prayer chamber and lighting a candle and getting on my knees. And praying for it unless god led me to do such a thing my prayers literally when i see it, i actually do and honestly i will frequently even lift my hands it's just a little contact of faith and touch the screen i often will touch the very words that you send me and say father i pray for this and sometimes i move deeply sometimes i cry that is also another form of collective prayer that we do together and we're answering the question so jesus when or uh, where do we pray? Well, you pray alone or you pray in a group. But So that could be a church. It can be anywhere. Once again, it comes back to where is the most conducive place for you to pray? Well, a church is a good place. And I've always had a vision and a desire to have a place that is only perpetual prayer. I really have always had that desire. I want a perpetual prayer, worship environment where that's all that's taking place all the time. But I don't want to do it religiously. You know what I mean? I don't want it to be a forced thing. I because what I envision is a pray a place that you cannot get people out of. In other words, you're not having to recruit people to go there and pray, but it evolves naturally. Uh, and what I've always envisioned is a place maybe like we have a church service and maybe a facility that we're using somewhere, but something happens where people can't leave because they're arrested by the power of God, and they begin to pray and intercede, and they just just frozen there. Pray, because I've actually seen this happen in my ministry before. And then other people come and get contaminated with the same thing, but naturally just have a place where people are drawn and pray and pray and pray. And the vision I've had of this also the walls are completely covered with information. around the world, from many missionaries, many different ministries, many people, and the atmosphere is constantly bathed in worship, and there's just prayer going on and on and on and on and on. But like I say, I I don't want to make it happen. I'm going to submit to it when it happens. That's a good way to say it. I'm going to yield to that movement, but I really believe that it is a part of our future. Amen? How many of you like to be a part of that? How I many of you like to go to a prayer meeting? Because most of the time you, when you hear, oh, we're going to have a prayer meeting, you're like, mm, well, I've got some things to do. Honestly, then, honestly, because often prayer is boring. It's just boring. Why? Because it's too structured. It's too religious. But when prayer is real, it's powerful. It's wonderful. It's a great atmosphere to be in. And really, that, that is connected to worship as well. And it's my desire to be there. There we go to the next one. Uh, how... Jesus, how do we pray? Okay, all right. Well, when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. That's what he starts off right there. Don't be an actor. Don't put on a display of something that's not genuine and real to you. Don't don't be pretentious about the way you pray. In other words, listen to yourself when you pray and ask yourself some very serious questions. When you pray, record yourself praying. That'd be a good idea set a recorder, you go into your prayer, record yourself praying, and go back and listen to it. How does it sound? Uh, Do you develop a style? I've seen it to extremes. I've worked in denominationalism. I've worked in different churches around the world. I've seen people that that the pendulum swings so falsely, so far into acting, that it is very dramatic. And they will have a straight face until it's time to pray. Suddenly, oh Father, oh, Father! Someone will actually get into crime. Oh God, you Lord, okay, you Lord. Literally, I've seen that. I'm not even exaggerating. It's like they're howling like ghosts, and they somehow begin to believe that that sound. And that's what Jesus said: Don't do that. Don't be an actor. If if your prayer it makes you a different person, then it's really no different than Morton Downey Jr. not really being Iron Man. If you met him, the actor that plays Iron Man, you would probably be disappointed if you just, because he's not Iron Man. He doesn't press a button and the suit comes around him. That's all, that's, that's acting. That's in a, in a movie, it's not real. You know, maybe maybe more authentic would be like It Man or some of these karate experts. Yeah, they really are that, but most are not. They're actors. They're acting. Well, your prayer should be indistinguishable from the reality of you. Um, that's all Jesus is saying. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they have, uh, so that they the street corners that they may be seen by others. That's a good way to check your heart concerning your prayer. Are you concerned about what people think about the way you pray? Good question. Are you looking to impress people? You want to I want to pray right. If we're going to pray. I need to pray good. Well, no, not really. You need to pray genuinely. Don't worry about good. Just pray what is real to your heart. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. What do you say that that's your concern? Well, then that's your reward for prayer. That you did a good show. That's that's what actors live for the applause at the end of that drama. When they finish and everybody applauds, that's they go and they do their bow. Maybe even an encore bow. they come out. They live for that moment. They love that moment, the accolades, the press. That's why when they get bad press, they're, they're devastated because they're being glorified. That's their reward. That's what Jesus is saying. If that's all you get, well, that's your reward, is that you prayed well and people were impressed. And that's not what Jesus wants. But when you pray, go into your room. That's where he said earlier. Shut the door. Pray to your Father in secret. And your Father who seizes for rewards. reward. And when you pray, do not keep empty or heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him, he says here. So he, he taught us about the need. When Jesus was praying, this is the one thing, because the question is, how do we pray, Lord? How do we pray? Well, he's telling you first what not to do. But then he goes on to need. Then Jesus said to them, suppose you have, and he's, he's saying this story to illustrate how prayer works. How do we pray? He's telling you. Suppose you have a friend. You go to him at midnight and say, friend, let me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. Okay, in this case, this is a need. He doesn't have bread. He needs bread to feed his friend. He's embarrassed. This man's come. The stores are closed. It's late at night. He was not expecting him to come. All the food of that night that they've eaten, it's gone. He doesn't have, so he goes to a neighbor. Why? Because he has need. That's why that very word, prosekia, or the, the term for prayer, means a, a, a cry for help. And that's what he's doing. He's going to his neighbor, pleading with him, please, hello, um, can you please give me lend me three loaves of bread, meaning he's looking, he'll pay him back the bread, maybe the following day when the bakery's open, he'll buy it. But really, prayer is built upon need. The reason we pray is because we need his help. That's salvation, that's all things, and Jesus is telling this story. However, when we do go to him to ask him for help, how many of you ever prayed prayers that are not instantly answered? Oh, like most of the time. So, what if this man then tells him that, well, you know What? You can't have any bread. Well, that's resistance, and that's what we say, because resistance almost always comes. He goes on with the supposition. Now, and suppose, the reason they use the word suppose is a certain tense. It's like a subjunctive future form of a verb that's, that is su- Supposition and they translated NIV. Suppose, I looked it up too, and it's very interesting because everywhere in the NIV that they use this phraseology, the word suppose appears. So I almost preached the message tonight on suppose. Because <laughs> all these little fictitious scenarios, Jesus, it happens to be seven of them. So he, he has like these little worlds he creates. And this one's a good one. Suppose the one inside answers. Don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. Of course, they slept all in one place. They had one cover that covered everybody. They used their own thermal energy from the bodies of the people in one place. So once everybody was sleeping, that was it. You can't get up and move around. You know how long it takes your kid to go to sleep? I mean, we have a grandbaby in the house. When the baby's sleeping, Nicole comes out dancing. She's so happy. (laughs) It's like free to move, baby sleeping, and we don't want to do anything to wake the baby up. This is, this is good reasons. In other words, there's always going to be good reasons why you should not get your prayer answered. you understand? There's always going to be valid reasons why you shouldn't. There's always going to be too many people in the house to get your paralytic friend in there. There's always going to be disciples telling you to stop bothering Jesus. There's always going to be people yelling at you to shut up as you're screaming, Son of David, have mercy. There's always going to be a crowd so tall that you're too short as Zacchaeus to see Jesus. There's always resistance. There's always Jesus even telling you it's not right to give the children's bread to the dogs. I can go on and on. All this opposition that, and Jesus is trying to tell us something very deep here. He says, now you want to know about prayer. Okay, in context, he goes on, well, suppose you have a need and suppose that there's resistance to that need. Then what do you do? Oh, you give up. You just quit. You go home. You whisper through the door to the man that's with his children in bed that doesn't want to be disturbed. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go back to sleep. And then you go, no, that's not what happens because after that comes persistence. I tell you, Jesus says when Jesus says, by the way, I tell you, listen up. Even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. Now, this is interesting. and In a moment, I'm going to define shameless audacity, but start off with the fact that Jesus says, I'm going to tell you a secret. Now, he might be a friend of yours, but friendship is... It's just because somebody's your friend doesn't mean you're going to get what you want. And just because you have a circumstance in life that seems favorable to you, it doesn't mean things are going to work out. But that is by no means a reason for you to stop looking and stop praying and stop believing because everything will be tested. So he goes on to say it "Is shameless, because of your shameless audacity. If you want to know how can I get my prayers answered, this is it. Shameless audacity. So what is shameless audacity? Well, he goes on to tell you. He says, For everyone who asks and keeps on asking receives. Now I'm reading from the amplifier. And he who seeks and keeps on seeking finds, and to him who knocks and keeps on knocking, the door shall be open. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion. If then Though you are evil, know how to get good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? So, here you know, this is interesting. Jesus is saying, and it's translated more accurately to the tense of the continuous progressive. Everyone who asks and keeps on asking. In other words, He's saying, when you go to the neighbor's house and they say, Go away, my children are sleeping, stop bothering me, don't listen to that. He's saying, You need to be shameless and audacious. At that moment, say, I'm very sorry, but I need the bread. And he's going to say again, don't, but you just keep asking. That's what this is saying. Whoever asks it keeps on asking. If you keep asking long enough, even though that, that man, is, he knows that if you keep asking, you won't shut up, or even worse, if you're knocking, the one that knocks and keeps on knocking, you're going to wake up the kids anyway. So by... Some way or another, he's going to find the way to get the bread to you. Maybe just reach out, grab the bread, and throw it out the window. Something can happen that is maybe not the conventional or normal way. It might be an unorthodox way that God does it, but he will do it if you don't stop. You have to keep seeking. Keep seeking. So the how, Jesus, how do we pray? He says with shameless audacity. Bottom line. You ask Jesus how to pray. He says, you ask. You just keep asking. Don't stop. Just don't stop. Keep asking. Keep asking. Keep." And he likens it to children here. He says, a father with a child. Because we've all been. If you've ever been a parent or an aunt or an uncle or had to watch children, you know how their little brains work. And you know how divisive they are. And you know how powerful they are to get out of you because of their shameless audacity. They can get anything from you they want. Because they will ask for candy and you will say No. And they will say, please. And you will say, no. And they will say, please, please. And you'll say, no. And they'll say, please, please, please. They'll keep adding, please. They won't stop. You're going to have to physically reprimand them, bind them, put a gag in their mouth or something. They will not listen to you. They will keep asking. But I know because I've had three children and all of them. (laughs) My daughter still does it to me to visit today. Uh, he'll show off and say, uh, Daddy, can you take me to go get noodles the food court. I'm like, no, no. I'm, I, I don't want to do that right now. Please? Please? No. I'm tired. I don't want to do it. Please? Can we go get noodles? Please? 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 And she'll sit there and stare at me and wait. And I'm like, no. I'm going to watch TV and relax me. But she keeps asking. Keeps. Eventually, I know I'm not going to have a moment's peace if I don't get <laughs> that girl noodles. And, and I start thinking, it's really not that far away. It's just a block away. I right. The food court's close by. I can take, all right, come on. And she's happy because she got what she wanted. But my first answer was no. That's why he says, if we know how to give things to our children, if we know how to bless them because of their shameless audacity, our Heavenly Father even more so. And I'll tell you this concerning the most important thing, the Holy Spirit that we ask. And a lot of people, we were just talking about this a moment ago, somebody that did not have the ability to speak in tongues decided because they didn't get it that it's not a valid thing. And that's interesting, they just weren't, they didn't have the audacity, the shameless audacity enough to seek until they got it. Because you all know my story, it took me a year to have my first real encounter with God. A year, shamelessly banging on the door of heaven for 365 days before that first real encounter. And ever since then I find the same. Often we're in worship and we're kinda coming against, sometimes you feel that barrier, And what happens? I just keep shoving. I just keep pushing. I keep pushing. I, I pull out all the tricks. How can I, I try to, I try to woo Jesus. I get quiet, I get loud. I get quiet, I get loud. And sure enough, eventually, because we're not quitting, it's like boom, boom. We keep knocking on heaven's door. We have a release. We break through and we're being touched because that's what he wants us to do. That is how we pray. A lot of people don't get what they want because of that. Now the last one, we're going to end with this. Almost done. Why do we pray? Well, it's a good question. Worship, guidance, and need. These are the reasons in order of importance in our prayer. Why? will we pray, hallowed be the name so that we can worship the Lord. And that's where it all starts. We hallow His name. Don't ever walk into the presence of God and throw needs in His face first. You first love Him. If I walk in the kitchen, and my wife is there, and, and I just step in and say, Hey, woman, fix me breakfast. Uh, that's going to be a lot less <laughs> possible for me. She might throw an egg at me. I mean, my, my wife has strong character. So she would not appreciate me walking in the room and demanding something. So, but if I go in there in, in terms of husband wife, if I worship her, Good morning, how are you? A little kiss on the cheek, and uh, you want some coffee? I'll make you some coffee. Often I bribe her with coffee. I make the coffee in the French press, make it nice, put the right amount right, of milk and everything in there, and then she'll say, you want some breakfast? I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> right, what you making, some bacon? Oh, yeah, I think I'll eat a piece of bacon. By what, by first taking care, offering something to her, being nice. And worship is what we do to the Lord. When we go to the presence of the Lord, make Him coffee and offer it to Him. In other words, worship Him. Thank you for all you've done. Thank you. And name His names if you have to. Guidance. Why do we pray? Well, we pray uh, for guidance. Your will be done. Lead us not to temptation. Both of those things are asking Him for direction for His will, not your will. Because we don't know His will. Anybody ever tells you they know the will of God completely for their life, they're lying to you. We don't. We incrementally know it day by day. The steps of the righteous are ordered order by the Lord. We do not know our way. We have to ask Him. Even Jesus, that's why Jesus every single day was praying the way that He was praying because He was discovering the path as He went along. <coughs> guidance. We need wisdom. We need guidance. Uh, don't lead us into... T- you can actually ask Him not to lead you into the trials of life. God, I would like today not to be another trial. Is it possible I can take a break from this constant... Hardship, can I, I've I've had conversations with that like that with the Lord before, where it seems like every day is a trial and it just gets wearisome and you're just tired. Says just, God, just how about a breather today? How about a day off? Lead me not into temptation. Let this day deliver me from the evil one today. Just maybe tomorrow I can face it, but and He will answer that prayer. I've often found a happy day in the middle of a hurricane. It's like the eye. You're in the eye of the hurricane until it comes to the other side. But at least you have a respite for a while. But anyway, you ask him for his guidance. I find life to be kind of like a hurricane, and guidance is just keeping up with the eye. As it moves, you just stay in the eye, and there's no wind. You just, every, all the wind is around you, and that's why Jesus could sleep in the boat. Need. Yeah, it comes down to that. We established earlier that that's why we do pray. Out of need, and that's the meaning of the word. Uh, Give us this day our daily bread. You're asking the Lord to give you something. Today, give me the bread. That's, of course, provision for our lives. Why do we pray? We pray to worship. We pray for guidance. and We pray because we need things. These are the things we saw. Teach us to pray. Five questions about prayer. What, when, how? Where? Why? What do we pray? Oh, well, we pray conversations with the Lord. We talk to words in conversations Naturally, comfortably. When do we pray? Well, we pray any time it's convenient, really. Any time that it can be done properly. I say pray. If that's nine time for you, that's fine. How many of you have ever been up at 3 o'clock in the morning and just to curse you, just pray, and you talk to the Lord? It's like He will wake you up sometimes. You think, why would He wake me up at 3 o'clock in the morning? That's very rude. Well, because it's the only time He can really talk to you sometimes. Yeah. Is at that time because that way everybody's sleeping. That's why Jesus got up so early. I'm sure Jesus sometimes cheated himself some sleep so that he could get away. Uh, you don't know. Maybe he went out there prayed and then fell asleep and got there. I've, I've done that before. I've gotten up very early, prayed, felt the release, and went back to sleep, and then wake up later on in the middle of the day. So when 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 it's convenient, when it works, how well he talked about first how not to. Hey, Jesus, think about it. Jesus came down as a representative of the Father. He looked at man and the way that man was talking to God and decided, this is all wrong. You guys are doing this wrong." And that was his approach in teaching. It was, look, like, don't do this, okay, don't do this." He gave a bunch of don'ts first. Don't pray like this. don't say that, don't do this, but when you pray, OK. Then he finally said, "Now when you pray, just pray like this. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name." So he taught us how, not repetitions not as an actor, not with any falsity, but with honest sincerity, openness, and simplicity. And where do we pray? Well, we pray alone in whatever place. If it's a room where we can close the door, we do that. Uh, But we pray intimately alone with Him. But we also pray where? In a group, together. We pray collectively. And that's where God can do great things as the church prays. Anything is possible if we... Join together. We agree. Two or more in His name. He's there in the midst, and whatever we ask, He does. And finally, number five. Why? Well, we pray because we need to worship the Lord, and I, that's what I do in my prayer all the time. I worship Him, and I ask for His guidance. God, help me. Give me wisdom. Tell me what to do. Um, I mean, have you ever felt like your back is against the wall? You don't know what to do. So you ask Him. What do, you, what do I do? What do I do? And He doesn't always tell you but at least he's there. And you just kind of go on anyway. Well, okay. But you have fellowship. And things work out. They always work out. I have found it. Every, I've, I'm here today alive, and everything always works out. Uh, finances, everything always works out. All the bills eventually get paid. <laughs> I never have figured out how it all happens, but it does. And 33 years into this relationship, I have not known even one single time he did not work everything out. But why do I worry? I don't know why I worry. Because I'm stupid. We don't need to worry. That's why Jesus made fun of worry. It makes no sense. Jesus was like, look at life. Look at, look at the birds, okay? You're like the bird. Your father cares more than you, about you than a bird. And the bird does not worry. And I think of that every time I go to the food court and see those minor birds <laughs> coming, and the dumb pigeons, you know how stupid pigeons are. They? Pigeon's always like an idiot. And then the minor birds are always really smart and careful. And it's really fun to watch them. But he feeds both the idiot bird and the smart bird. And the little sparrows are even cooler because they will swoop in and steal something from out underneath the pigeon before the pigeon can even respond and the sparrow will take it. So they all get their part. They all eat. I like when one minor bird goes in the trash can and the other minor bird stands on the outside garden waiting for someone to come while and then they take turns. You ever see they'll actually play teams and do things really fascinating? Why do they do that? Because God loves them. And he has his eye on the sparrow. How much more? Us. And that's my, when I go to pray, I know that. I'm not going to figure everything out. I'm not going to understand life. I just, prayer is a time that I just give it to him. Just take, give him the control to do what you want, how you want to do it, when you want to do it. Amen. Thank you for listening to Antioch Center for the Nations. If you would like to support our efforts, please consider making a donation at www.antiochchurch.sg. Thank you.